Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. de ese miedo pero de momento está enchufado ahora justo lo digo y justo se pierde ahí a punto ha estado de cometer penalti pepe 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 gol de Nicolás pepe pepe is Arsecast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arsecast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, I don't know quite how to say this, because is it is it evening yet, or is it late afternoon? It's quarter past five we're recording here. Yeah. Still afternoon, or evening? It's still sunny where I am, so yeah. it, I, I reckon if the sun's out, it's the afternoon, okay. it's sort of my rule. Right, goodly afternoon so to you. Goodly afternoon to you, too. Yeah. On the goodliest, holiest day, Sunday. Um... Yeah, I'm delighted to be talking about an Arsenal victory and so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is probably a feeling shared by many fans because, you know, look, we played a very difficult game in Athens, didn't we, on Thursday and we'd all the travelling and I think they kept saying on BT Sport, like, Arsenal's record when they play in the Europa League and then play on the Sunday, I think they've lost six of the seven games, something six like that. Seven. And I was yeah. thinking, oh God, that's not good. And like, oh, all the reasons why we could have been worried. No, God, Jamie Vardy and oh, the team he picked. Oh, the, the humanity of it all. And then mm-hmm. we concede a very early goal and you're thinking, oh God. 
God, this is going to be a long afternoon. But I, I was extremely pleasantly surprised by what transpired. So it is lovely to be talking about it. Um, you know, I, I, I feel, I feel good. We won. Jamie Vardy lost. I mean, the sun's out. It's good. There's a lot to like about it. It's the first time we've won away to a team who were in the top three at kickoff since we beat Man City in that Cazorla and Coquelin game a hundred years ago. out of here, really? Yeah, yeah. 2015, I think that was. Um, wow. First time we've won away to a side in the Premier League's top three since then. Yeah. I was, um, I was talking to Andrew Allen before the game and they were all, he was throwing some stats at me and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. th- it was this. And I was saying to him, God, you know, I'm, I'm really getting kind of fed up with stats. And I realize, I realize that's because we're, you know, we're, 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 we're setting the up these records. And I realize another word or another way of describing stats are facts. And mm. my response to that as well was I'm kind of fed up with reality too. So Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, God love all the Opta accounts. They put out some brilliant content. But at times this season for Arsenal, I felt like muting them because every stat was just painful mm. to read. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like, oh, not another thing we're doing terribly. But, um, yeah, I, I honestly, when the first goal went in today, I really was like, oh, man, mm. this season needs to end. I don't know if I can handle it anymore. <laughs> um, and yet, yeah, I come away from it you know, really happy. And actually, I suppose I have to reflect on Benfica and Leicester as a a very good week's work for this Arsenal. Yeah, tremendous. Really, really good week's work. You know, we had a big pressure game in the Europa League and then I I don't know that even if we'd picked our, you know, nominally our best team, people would have given us much of a chance against Leicester, you know, given how good they've been so far this season. Although I do take some credit for uh, mentioning this in the Arscast on Thursday night. We recorded Thursday night. You know, they lost against um, whoever it was they were playing in in the Europa League. So I I predicted that was the start of their end-of-season implosion, their annual Brendan Rodgers end-of-season implosion. And so it came to pass. Um, Yeah, and I mean, look, if they keep picking up injuries at this rate, that feels yeah. very plausible. I mean, you know, they lost Madison last week. They lost Harvey Barnes this mm. week. Um, there was somebody else, I seem to remember. Who Johnny, Evans, Johnny went Evans went off. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it looks on the cards, another Leicester implosion. Yes. Um, I'm by the way, that, yeah. Andrew. Yes, James. You have some reverb at my end. Uh, oh. I think. How about now? Is it gone? It's, it's gone. Ah, I think I know what that was. Let me let me just see. Okay, it's that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that you're in a well. Yeah, it's one of the one of the little knobs here on the mixing desk can uh, can uh, you know it's got special effects and stuff like that. So I don't know if I turn it up. Yeah, you see, it's like that. Oh wow! Well, you're yeah. right down the bottom of the well. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say to you? So l- let me ask you this because I saw yeah. your tweet pre-game. Oh, which said, yes. I am not confident. It wasn't Capitalized simply, yeah, N. it wasn't, I'm not confident. It was, I am not confident, stressing the shit out of the not. Um, you know, I assume that was after the team came out, right? I have to admit it was. I, I, I wasn't yeah. confident before the team came out. Um, but when the team did come out, I thought, oh, I don't Ooh. like the look of this. I think a lot of people were the same. 
you know, when yeah. they looked at and the I team. Yeah, and I try not to go overboard about team news. You know, I wasn't tearing what's left of my hair out and raging about it. I understood mm. the need to rotate. I just looked at the balance of the team and I thought, I'm, I'm not sure mm. about this. I feel like this is ominous. Did you feel like that? Yeah, I mean, I looked at the team and I can't say I felt inspired. I, you know, no. it didn't give me the injection of, oh, yeah, come on. It was like, oh, uh, hmm, I'm not quite sure how this is going to go. But, like, if you were to ask me to stick a tenor on it, I would say badly. That's that, yeah. th- that was kind of where I was with it. You know, I can't do, you know, I've said this before, I can't do the the wailing and gnashing of teeth over team selections uh, because there's always something, you know, there's always somebody who isn't playing or somebody who is playing that annoys somebody and you can see the debate rage on on twitter and look i understand completely why there was some anxiousness before um you know before the game when you looked at the lineup and you looked at some of the people that had uh, come into the team and you know some people who hadn't necessarily performed uh, this season and you you worried a little bit um mm. but look at uh, is there a lesson there for us is there, is there yeah, a lesson think, that, like, sometimes <laughs> we have to so. trust a manager in that he kind of, he's picking a team not to annoy us. You know what I mean? He's not, no, he's he, not making a team selection just to piss us off. Even if it may feel like that at times. Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> and he's also making more informed decisions than us you know and uh this is a uh, has been a very intense period and clearly a measure of rotation was re- required and maybe he had seen things from players in training you know that made him think i'm happy mm-hmm. to go with this 11 maybe you know pepe's not for example played a lot of minutes recently and maybe that contributed to how fresh and how dangerous he looked at times today mm-hmm. it's it is a balancing act but it's one that Mikel Arteta got right today and i hold my hands up and say i didn't see it coming no and look he you know he he makes his decisions um you know i i imagine with some knowledge that some of them might be unpopular right Oh yeah. So, so he's not blind to the fact that, like, when you're two one down to Benfica and you bring on Willian, a guy who until this week hadn't really contributed a great deal for for twenty odd games, you leave yourself open to criticism. Um, you Absolutely. Know, uh, and starting even Willian today, I know Willian. Um, I think he talked a better game about Willian than Willian actually had. Mm-hmm. Um, against Benfica. I think he said something along the lines of he was a game changer. And, you know, I think he did okay, but he wasn't necessarily a game changer. Nevertheless, uh, you know, he picked him today. And I think it was the best William has played since the opening day of the season. Yeah, I think he may. I think he may even have been better today than he was that day. You mm. know, I think he was involved in a lot of goals on that day, but I thought his all-round contribution was maybe better today. I think uh, Mikel Arteta did the right thing. You know, he saw that Willian showed some green shoots against Benfica, that there were signs that of a bit of confidence, a bit of zip coming back to his play. And mm. I guess he's built on that. Um, and uh, listen, thank goodness, because he desperately, desperately needed something to inject some life into his Arsenal career. He has managed to do that in the last couple of games. Uh, and I think... Yeah, I think this is probably as high as he is kind of in Arsenal fans' opinion that he's ever been at Arsenal. And it's not to say he's pulling up trees or anything like it, but you know he is at least uh, producing something like the performances that we thought we might get from him. And that's a, a, a massive 
relief and long overdue. Yeah, yeah. So let's go through this game. And it didn't start mm-hmm. particularly well from an Arsenal perspective. Um, there's nope. a bit of a trend recently, isn't there, in terms of uh, conceding early goals. And this was, what, six minutes in, seven minutes in, something like that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, not great. I mean, where where do you see the flaws in this one? Obviously, giving the ball away um, cheaply on the left-hand side is part of it. Um, yeah, and Willian is part of that, actually. I mean, Yeah, you know, Willian and Jacka sort of don't really combine particularly well. There's a couple of sort of slightly awkward passes. Uh, Tielemans comes in and nicks the ball away. And, and you know, Shaka's not going to catch him really in that situation. No. Um, but I don't think that should mean he should have, you know, the freedom of the pitch to kind of stroll into the penalty area as he does. Clearly... Mm. You know, then maybe there's some miscommunication. It just feels like everybody backs off, and and you know he punishes mm. us with a, an excellent shot into the far corner. I, it doesn't look good for Pablo Marie. I don't actually. Think. I've watched, I've rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it, and I think my initial reaction was like, this is really bad from Pablo Marie. But right, uh, the more I look at it, the more I think you've got to look at Mohamed El Neni. Um, yeah, because Pablo Marie at least has Vardy. On his shoulder, doesn't yeah. he, to consider? You know, everyone, when you when you look at the point where um, Tielemans takes the shot and scores the goal, you're, you're sort of saying, okay, well, look, David Luiz is right there. But when you see where Luiz is when the, the move starts to happen, when we lose the ball over there, Luiz is a long way away. He's basically... I mean, I would question that. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a I big think old gap between it's the centre half. Huge. So Louise's yeah. positioning is not great uh, in the first place. Like he's miles away from from Pablo Marie. Mm-hmm. Um, so as Vardy goes running into the box, you know, Pablo Marie has to track the striker. I think, and mm-hmm. El Neni just runs in a kind of straight line into the box. He makes no effort whatsoever to run across. The path that Tielemans is is running into, so I think. Do you know what? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So it, it, it's it's a uh, strange Melnani because it's not like Iheanacho or Barnes is kind of there for him to pick up. Yeah. He just kind of runs in that straight line, and he, he could actually, come across. And he cut actually the ball runs out further easy. away from the ball. He, he runs sort of back yeah. towards the the back post. So I think, you know, it looks bad for Marie by the time Tielemans takes the shot, but. Um, yeah, having watched it again, I think more and more this is this is obviously the error is giving the ball away, but I think El Neni should be the guy doing a lot more there. So um Yeah, and I, I, I sort of don't feel too aggrieved about giving the ball away. I mean, when you and when you play out from the back, you're gonna give the ball away sometimes, you know? And I think it's it's about how you recover from mm. that. And and we recovered from it really, really poorly and what that's what gifted them the lead. Yeah, because, you know, we lose the ball. I mean, I think the carelessness of losing the ball is that, that Tierney is out of position. He's gone on an overlap very and, and hasn't and isn't there. So that's what creates that space. But, you know, like you say, Xhaka's is never going to get back. And, you know, the, the issue then is who's covering Vardy? Because if Pablo Marie goes uh, towards Tielemans and he plays a pass in behind him, Vardy's straight through on goal. And none of us uh, ever want to see that in our lives, you know, so... No, so, I mean that was a big, big part of the reason I was very yeah. much lacking in confidence going into this game. Yeah, Vardy's I, record against us is sure is brilliant, and I think probably the opening twenty minutes or so, I, I, I didn't, um, 
Yeah, I, I, it took a while for me to be convinced by our performance, if you like. You know, because I yeah, think because we did respond we, quite well, but... Well, we did, yeah, but I sort of thought... It was one of those situations where I was like, is this just passive possession? You know, we we, 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 we regained control of the ball, mm. but to an extent I was like, are oh, Leicester happy for us to do that? You know, they're going to look to hit us on the break with Vardy and Inacho, they're going to look into the channels. Mm. Um so it was one of those where I was kind of a bit like, yeah, you know, we've got the ball, but I'm not sure we're necessarily doing anything with it. Uh, but that did change. And I, I personally, I felt a lot of that was down to Nicola Pepe, who in that first half had that poor young left back on toast, didn't he? Oh, he did. And like that, that guy should have been booked earlier. Way before. Way, way before. He eventually got what was coming to him and then got taken off at halftime. But yeah, I think, I think Pepe was really good. Um, you know, it, it did take us a while to get into the game. And I wonder as well, you know, A, we as a team perhaps are a little bit fatigued from Thursday night. And I know he made mm-hmm. six changes, but also some of those players haven't played a great deal. Um, so it takes a little bit of time to get up to speed. Maybe we were just kind of warming up. I mean, how many times in all the years we were playing in the Champions League, whether we played on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you know, if you did an away game, the first half of the the next league game was always well not always but like it wasn't unusual for that to be slow like it would take yeah. the 45 minutes to get the legs going again and then we might be better in the second half so that that was an issue uh, i think in this game as well uh, it took us a it took us a little while to get going but i you know i think the performance it wasn't perfect, but there was, uh, as the half went on, a lot more to like about it, you know, in terms of how we were playing. Um, you know, Leicester really didn't trouble us at all. Uh, we could have had a penalty. I mean, the first one, yeah, are you, you happy enough? I think it was probably the right decision. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, listen. I'd go, I mad, I'd go mad if it was given against us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I felt aggrieved, you know, because it's Arsenal and I want us mm. to be given everything. But um, if I'm trying to be objective, I think that's probably not a penalty. But I, I still was really encouraged by it because it was, you know, it was Pepe making things happen, taking people on. Um, and he does have that individual quality. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought it was the right decision, but a, a good sign of what was to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the first goal... Uh, it was, I think it was the, the time where your man got booked, actually. He yes. fouled Pepe. And, to, you know, he slipped, actually, um, making the tackle. But, you know, hard luck. You should have had your card earlier. So I think this is a really smart goal and quite a brave goal as well from, from David Luiz because indeed he is coming in with his foot quite high. But that yeah. looks like um, that looks like a routine that they've worked on. Yeah, and I'm glad to see that come to fruition a bit because we haven't had a huge reward mm. of our attacking set pieces. And this one seems actually really well coordinated and really well executed. Mm. You know, Louise peels off the back. You, ha- you see Willian have a little look. It's clear he's he's playing the ball into him. And I, I agree. I think it's a really brave header, actually, because there's kind of studs in that kind of vicinity. Yeah. And um, he goes for it. And it's a good header. Really too, good. You know, really good. Yeah. Low into the corner. So that was a... a on a, on a day of pleasant surprises, us scoring from a well-executed set piece, you know, that ranks pretty high on the surprise scale. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I like it. We haven't done enough of that, you know, because we've so many corners and set pieces and free kicks this season that have come to, to basically nothing. But yeah, very good header from David Luiz. Um, and then we get the penalty. So 
uh, I think it was Pepe who took a shot, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Definite penalty. Yeah. The most obvious penalty I've seen in a long time, apart from the last one we gave away, probably. You know? Yeah, they still had to go through all the drama of taking the guy over to the screen. But I mean, yeah, that that's a stick on penalty, his hands up. Mm. Um and yeah, I mean I actually was a little bit surprised Lacazette took it. I thought Pepe was gonna take it, I have to say. I guess captain's privilege. Yes. And his record from penalties is very good, I understand, Lacazette. I don't know if he's ever missed one. For I don't, Arsenal, yeah, so. I don't remember him taking too many for us, actually. But, uh, no. yeah, he put it away very well. I mean, there's part of I, me that's always, you know, thinking how a player can miss a penalty, but, you know, he stuck that away really well. Five he's taken for Arsenal right. in all competitions, and he has converted them all. There you go. There you but go. Yeah, very well, very well taken. Um, very confidently done. And a, a great, you know, turnaround at the end of the first half because suddenly we're in a, a really strong position. And uh, in fairness to Arsenal, I think they, you know, they did take the game to Leicester. They did try and make things happen. I feared that it would lead to us getting caught on the counter-attack, but Leicester never really threatened that. No, I mean, I thought they would probably come out a bit more and play a bit more, but maybe the, the early goal in the second half had an impact as well on, um, you know, what what they were trying to do. I don't quite know what they were trying to do from an attacking perspective because it was only really maybe in the last 10 minutes that they got up any little head of steam. But Yeah, I think Barnes and Madison are so important to what mm. they do going forward. You know, without both those guys, they did look a bit clueless, really. Yeah. And I think Inacho's such a different player to Madison. Um I think it really affected them. But that was a, a really nice goal, I thought, the third goal from an Arsenal point of view. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was nicely worked, wasn't it? We won it back and, you know, held on to it in midfield, got it forward, Pepe, Odegaard. Uh, you know, smart. He's got quick feet, doesn't he, uh, at times? I think there was one, yeah. one moment where he didn't quite uh, make his pass and put us in a bit of trouble. And, and I think that was maybe my one takeaway of the second half is that when Leicester threatened it was because of our sloppiness more than mm. their um excellent play or anything like that i think odegaard gave the ball away once there was el neni gave the ball away once and they got a corner from it and we had to block a shot and there was another one as well could have been cedric perhaps um mm -hmm. who was caught mm -hmm. on the ball you know so it was just it's those little small things you know i'm not looking for any negatives today uh but it's just to say that in terms of how uh, Leicester put us uh, under any kind of pressure. It was entirely down uh, to us trying to shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, or, yeah, you know, just yeah. basic errors. As we got into the last 20 minutes, um, I, there were a few moments where I thought, OK, Arsenal are being a little bit more sensible here. Uh, you know, just some sort of fouls or, I mean, being mm. quite cynically, like a few a few time-wasting instances or people who went down where I wasn't necessarily convinced they were actually hurt and things like that. And I, and I, and I sort of thought, fair enough, you know, a 3-1 is a good scoreline, but if we had gone to 3-2, it wouldn't surprise me if there'd been a few nerves or of suddenly course. the legs look a bit more tired. Um, so I was, I was sort of pleasantly surprised by a little bit of that cynicism yeah. to help us get over the line. Yeah, I, I, I quite liked it too. Um, and, and I have to say, you know, the, the two-goal lead felt much more comfortable to me this time than the two-goal lead we had over Leeds a yeah. few weeks ago. I don't know if that's because we conceded two in like a few minutes, you know, um, having been 4-0 up, but, you know, 3-1 and 4-2. But I felt a lot more comfortable with this. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they lost Barnes, didn't they, fairly early in the second half? Um, yeah. Uh, we had lost Smith Rowe, of course. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the, the prognosis is there. Do we know it's a calf problem or a groin problem or muscular something? Muscular problem, yeah. I, I guess they'll have to have a scan tomorrow. Right. Um, yeah. Heart's always in mouths with him, though, you know, because he's got, always had this history of injury problems. But fingers crossed it's nothing too serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the third goal, Willian doesn't get an assist, unfortunately, for him. Mm, yeah. I'm intrigued by that. I mean, I thought I thought he. I've not seen it back a load of times, but I thought he was looking back towards. Apparently, Pepe. it was a shot which deflected right. into the path of an opponent. It's the second time it's happened because remember, it happened against Fulham as well on the opening day where he had a shot and he kind of scuffed it and it came for. Was it Lacazette? Maybe I think to to score. Yeah. Um, and it didn't go down as uh, as an assist. I think uh, uh, Orbino was was tweeting about it how it doesn't. Uh, get classified as a as an actual assist. So right, right. Um, but look, you know, he was there. He was in the right place. Uh, you know, there was a lot more energy about his performance today. You know, it's like somebody has introduced him to the concept of sprinting in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> you know, he looks a younger man. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, but rejuvenated. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. You look. Every player can go through a bad run of form. I think we can all accept that you know it was the idea and maybe it's a body language thing or whatever it was but you know you couldn't convince me that um he looked like he was trying his hardest at times you know mm. um and i think there's been a noticeable increase in uh visible effort and work rate uh, whether that's completely tied to him being more effective I can't quite say, but, you know, this was the first game in the Premier League that he started since Everton in December. I mean, part of me wonders if it's to do with that. You know, is it the mm. fact that he's playing a lot less football that he suddenly found this extra zip? I don't know. Something something does appear to have changed. I know it's only been a couple of games, but he has contributed more. Let's hope uh, it continues between now and the end of the season because... You know, in terms of his versatility, someone who could play left mm. side, he played left side quite well today, can play right side. You know, we could use him. Um, mm. And as we've said many, many times, Arsenal are committed to this player. Uh, and so it would be good to get something from him, mm. uh, f- you know, for as long as, as, as we need to. Something is better than nothing, and he's definitely given us something in the last two games. So, you know, definitely. fair play, yeah. credit to him. He's taken plenty of stick uh, on this podcast and many other podcasts and, you know, all over the world. Um, so credit where it's due. You know, he did well today. I thought he had a good game, and hopefully, um, you know, he can produce with a little more consistency between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I'm pleased that Pepe got the goal, by the way, you know, to kind of cap his contribution. I mean, what did you make of him overall? I thought he was really dangerous at times. Um, I think the work rate is there. I think the defensive awareness is there. He does seem to combine with um, Cedric a little bit more or a little bit better than he does with with Hector Bellerin. And I've seen people Mm. sort of um, throw out some stats about, like in the last game, Bellerin and Pepe only did this. But then the last game was Man City. So it's not necessarily a fair (laughs) comparison. I know Leicester are third in the league and what have you, but, you know, what did we have in the first half? 60, 70% possession? 
something like that. Yeah. You know, you don't get that against Man City. So um, the, the thing that I noted was when the ball comes to him, it doesn't always stick quite as well as it should. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's part of whatever little bit of frustration Mikel Arteta has, that the first touch isn't always the cleanest. Yeah, I think that sometimes he still has to learn when he just needs to kind of set the play, knock the ball back, you know, play one touch, and when he needs to, you know, try and dribble his man, try and do more. Mm. I think sometimes it feels like he's trying to do the difficult thing every time. Um, and that, you know, is probably not the right thing. Yeah. But I say that, but I do admire it. You know, I do admire his determination to make things happen. And even when Arsenal weren't necessarily going great guns in the first half, it always felt like he would be the person to, to get us back into the game. Mm. Uh, his biggest problem is Bukayo Saka really yeah. on that right-hand side because you know that is Pepe's position historically and Saka's been sensational there but I, I think you make a good point about Cedric I mean when Pepe was over on the left-hand side and had Cedric as his left-back they seemed to combine pretty well too or it yeah. seemed to suit both players to a certain extent and today was a, a good day for both of those guys as well you know so much of the time the chemistry the partnership on the flanks is really, really important. And, you know, we're nearly at the end of Pepe's second season in English football. I think you'd struggle to say that at any point, Bellerin and Pepe have really looked like mm. striking up a, a good relationship on the field. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. But he did well today and, you know, it's good to see. And I, I'm glad he did get the reward um, with the goal. And he was dangerous, obviously, mm-hmm. driving into the box, nearly won us a penalty and did win us a penalty uh, with a shot uh, that was blocked. So, you know, he had a really positive contribution on the day. And, um, you know, I, I think I have to give a, a shout out as well to Granite Xhaka. I know he gave the ball away for that uh, for their goal, but I thought he had a really, um, for him... Not someone you always associate with with um, having a really smart game, and I think yeah. he did. I think he used his experience really well. He won free kicks when he needed to win free kicks. He uh, he blocked a couple of shots. I think he you know he made more tackles than anybody else. Um, sometimes that Xhaka leg out tackle um, looks a bit clumsy, but he got it spot on pretty much every time today. Mm-hmm. Um, used the ball, you know, uh, pretty well. I think he uh, he had the most touches as he normally does. It was weird. I was looking at this. Uh, Cedric had the second most touches, which is really quite something. Yeah, oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, it tells you a bit about how he was yeah. used in build up, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think Shaka had a good game. I think he had a, just a really experienced game, and and I think part of the reason why the second half wasn't uh, there wasn't much drama, if you like. Uh, I think we controlled the second half pretty well. Uh, I've got to give him some credit for that because he did it with Almeni and he, he did it when Partey came on and Partey, you know, great, we got 20 minutes into his legs. That was mm-hmm. about, you know, that was about as much as you could say about his performance. Um, but he didn't need to do much, obviously. We weren't looking for him to change the game or anything like that. So, you know, I, no, I think Shaka had just, a good one. Yeah, it gave Shaka a little bit more support. I do think he's in really good form of late and mm. playing alongside Elneny there is a bit more onus on him than when he's next to you know uh, a Partey or even a Ceballos I think he did his job well today and I agree there was that you know that 
bit of experience he showed uh, in the second half, which is not always something you associate with him. You know, that slight uh, making sensible decisions, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. he, he kept a cool head in there when we needed it. And uh, I think he's been really, really positive. Uh, you know, because it's Shaka, there's mm. always that caveat of, you know, when's the mistake coming? I mean, maybe we saw it today with a concession of possession. But in general, I thought it was another positive performance. I'm just trying to think. I mean, credit to the manager, really, because this was a team with a lot of changes, six changes, yeah. a lot of uh, partnerships that aren't uh, particularly familiar or particularly celebrated. You know, I don't know how much we've seen Marie next to David Louise. We've all had concerns in the past about Shaka and Elneny. You had Lacazette playing up top with, you know, Willian and Pepe either mm. side. He made it work, and uh, this was actually one of Arsenal's more positive results and performances of the season. Oh, sure. I, I think it's a like a really, really positive day overall because, you know, we've we've come off a European game. We've gone away from home. We've made six changes. Mm-hmm. We've scored three goals. Um, we've beaten the team who are in third place. Um, regardless of their injuries, they're having a very good season. And, you know, we've lost games against uh, worse teams than Leicester this season that's for sure uh, yep, yep. we also did it without Partey uh, starting the game without Aubameyang starting the game without Saka starting the game it was the best bench we've had for a while let's put it, it like was, that it was but like Saka got the rest like everyone yep. was going crazy and I understand why everyone's going crazy you know uh, about giving him a rest and, and everything else uh, so that we were able to do that that we got ourselves into a position where we didn't need to bring Bukayo Saka on you know, that's true. It could not have been a better day for Mikel Arteta, for the team, for all the things that we wanted to see. Um, well, pretty much all of them. And I've got a question about one of them in, in part two. But, you know, you can't argue when you go and do what we did. If we if we hadn't, if we had played below par and got beaten, then, OK, there's an inquest. And there's all kinds of questions being asked about team selections and all kinds of things, you know. So um, I think you're right. Credit to him. Some of those uh, choices, not necessarily brave, but, you know, you know you're opening yourself up to a hard time if they don't come off. And and they did. So, uh, yeah, fair play. Mm, Definitely. And that's a great point on Saka. I mean... You know, he he really did need a rest sooner or, or later, and he got it today. Didn't mm. have to use him at all, uh, and that's probably actually one of the big big positives to take away. So yeah, all in all, very good. And if you look at this run of like five games we've played, going back to Leeds, you know, you had Leeds at home, Benfica technically away, City at home, Benfica at home, Leicester mm. away. You know, of course, we got beat by Man City. Fair enough. But in all the other games, I think we have looked quite good and we've created quite a lot of chances. You know, we yeah. scored three today, three on Thursday, scored a hat four against Leeds, probably should have scored three against Benfica in the first leg. I think that's the big encouraging thing for me is that we are now creating chances. Well, that's it. That's it. You know, this is a this is a side that is... Uh you know, in terms of what they're doing on the pitch, they're producing an awful lot more than they were two or three months ago, you know? Mm-hmm. And you give yourself some margin for error. You know, the error today was going a goal down. In November, yep. December, that kills us. We're done. We're Absolutely. fucked. You know, we don't get anything from that game. We might get a draw if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. But what we what we can do now is, even if we do make that mistake and we concede the goal, 
that there's, you know, enough confidence. I, I think, you know, that was an interesting part of today for me is that you can see this is a team that feels... They didn't look panicked. Do you know what I mean? They didn't look freaked out by conceding early. Maybe it's because we do it all the time. They're used to it. But, you know, I think they felt confident in that, you know, if they kept playing, they would get chances. And they did, and they scored them, and we won. So it's good. It is good. Here's another thing, though. Let me me just run you through this before we get to part two. So I downloaded the game after uh afterwards to have a look at the bits have a look at the various things of course of course and um i got it from uh what channel is it let me just have a look here espn vivo so i presume it's in spain or maybe um south america somewhere maybe south america there is a commentator who uh, i haven't heard before who does something quite remarkable after each goal now you know the way you get the um the South American commentators they they like to stress the goal part of goal. They get quite excited, they do. don't they? Well, have a listen to what this guy does when David Luiz scores. You get the goal bit first, but then and I just got to make the point here that um for for whatever reason this professional broadcaster and this professional broadcasting uh, organization are making this man commentate on games with a 199 headset that they got from you know their local knickknack store. So uh, okay. this is this is they've the, nicked it from an internet yeah, cafe exactly, in the yeah. 90s. <laughs> this is this is the Louise goal. Goal! Este gol, este gol del brasileño fue. Este gol. Este gol fue de, de David Luis. El gol lo hizo David. El gol de David Luis. Uno a uno. <laughs> I mean, we need to get fans back in the stands just so they can sing that song. Yeah, well, look, it didn't stop there because we scored <laughs> no, three times. <laughs> we scored three times. Here's Lacazette. Wow. I can't wait to hear that ringing around the Emirates Stadium, 60,000 fans, United. That is amazing. It is. I'm assuming there's a third to there, come. There definitely is a third. I'm just going to fade in the goal bit because we've Can heard I guess? That. Is it going to... Fue Nicola Pepe? No, no. Like, <laughs> no. No, you're... you're, you're I'll, I'll just play it and you can experience it for yourself. Thank you. La, 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 la. Life is life. El gol de Pepe. It's like the magpie fax jingle. <laughs> Except somehow worse. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow, I love that. Yeah, so I the don't. Son, El hijo de Gunners, the yeah. son of the Gunners. It's uh, yeah, I'm, it's just uh, amazing. I, I I wish there was more high quality audio because you know, I could make an album out of those. I think. Es el gol de Pepe. <laughs> life is life. Amazing. <sighs> I mean, I you know how they've been playing music at the Emirates Stadium recently after goals. In yeah. Of fans, I really hope that they could get that as a sting. You know what I mean? And just play those. Oh play, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scores. That would be one of one of the uh, one of the many uh, Arsenal supporting uh, musicians or DJs or producers out there could surely do a high quality version of that. Nicholas Pepe, life is life. life. Is life. Yeah, come on. El Gol de Pepe. All right. Uh, that is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's good. All right. I, in South America, watching football seems so much more entertaining. Do you know what I mean? <sighs> I wish. I mean, I could you imagine, can well. you imagine uh, Martin Tyler trying that? <laughs> or, or like <laughs> Ian Dark dropping some fat beats every time a goal went in. I'm well, not sure. I'd like to hear it. I'd like to hear it. Yeah. Clive Tilsley uh, sea shanties after every goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Will we take a break and come back with questions? Let's do it. All right. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. 
Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog and on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. James, you go first. I'm giving you the honor today. The sun is going down behind me. I can see a beautiful orange glow in the sky. I've got a beer in front of me. So I'm just going to wow. sit back, relax. And see what you throw at me, and depending on what it is, I just might not say anything at all. You know what my question is, Andrew? Why are you such a nice guy? Oh, I just... Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is this is from the Temperamental Gooners. Well, aren't they all? Uh, and they ask, who do you think should be given the number 10 role in the big games? Emil Smith-Rowe or Odegaard? While Odegaard played well when he came on, it does feel like we move the ball quicker and with more purpose when Emil Smith-Rowe is in the hole. Hmm. It's a good question. It might be moot now for a a few weeks if Smith-Rowe has got a bit of an injury. So, I mean, it it is probably going to be Odegaard for the next couple of weeks Um, in the big games. I think, they are, I think they're quite different, aren't they? I think so. I think Smith-Rowe is more of a mover. Like, he drops into pockets of space and gives it and yeah. goes and moves away again. And he's always sort of there to to provide the, 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 the triangle, if you like, the apex. or the, Is that what you call it, of a triangle? Yeah. Is it? The pointy bit. The pointy yeah. bit, yeah. But they're all pointy, depending which way you look at it, though. If you just turn Very it true. one way, it's also the pointy bit. Sure. He's one of those pointy bits, though. Yeah. And I think Odegaard likes to be on the ball a bit more. He likes more touches of the ball and, and what have you. Um, I think he's a passer, Odegaard, to mm. me. He looks like, you know, we, we spoke about Ozil and Cesc before, um, and those are lofty comparisons indeed. But I do think mm. he has got an eye for a pass. Even the way he kind of laid the ball off, you know, in the build-up to the third goal. It just showed an awareness of space and movement that I I do really like. Yeah. I think they have quite complementary qualities. I mean, I do think they can play together. Well, they sure. have done, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it really worked against, was it against Leeds? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so look, I, you know, I think I think one of the... One of the things we need to just be a little bit careful of with with some of the young players is, um, you know, you can't just expect Smith Rowe to play every game. I think it was quite an important loan signing to get Odegaard in. And as soon as we have, um, you know, moved to this kind of system where a player like that becomes important, you can't just have one of them. You know, I mean, imagine if we'd lost Smith Rowe today and didn't have Odegaard to bring on. You know, it's, mm. it would be a very, very troubling time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're. Yeah, you're going to have to put a relatively squarish peg in that hole. You know, so mm. uh, at the moment, I think, you know, if you're playing Aubameyang up top as well, I think I, I like Odegaard in there just because of his passing range. I think that's the key. I think that it depends who your centre-forward is. And if your centre-forward is Aubameyang, I think you can have Odegaard there because he's a guy... And it depends on the chemistry as well, who's Mm. in the wide positions. But, you know, if you've got two guys ahead who are going to sort of be running onto stuff, making runs in behind, I think Odegaard is someone who you want there because he can play them in. I think if Lacazette 
is up top as he was today, Smith Rowe makes loads of sense, right? Because he's a guy mm. who can, you know, he can play off Lacazette. They can combine. He can run beyond him. I don't think Odegaard's ever going to run beyond the striker. It's not really his game. I think he's kind of more like to drop off and, and do his work. He's deeper. an edge of the box kind of guy more than yeah. in the box kind of a guy, you know? Absolutely. Um, which, um, you know, and, and just to be clear, it's not that I dislike Smith Rowe or anything like that. And I think sometimes we get a little too hung up on like, this binary choice versus that binary choice when it doesn't yeah. really work like that like you know there's going to be playing time for all of them and the more good exactly. players we have the better you know and that was the strength of performances mm. like the Leeds game and I think to an extent the, the Benfica games you know that we had multiple players uh, of that calibre mm. and with different skill sets combining and you know sometimes the opponent will dictate as well you know we might have one that suits one opponent better than the other but uh, I think working it out depending on who's at centre forward seems to make a degree of sense and a lot of the time it's about balance I think Arteta has a thing where he kind of wants to in his front four it feels a bit like he wants two two goal scorers two creators maybe mm-hmm. um and so it's about, you know, can you kind of have the right the right balance there? But I think Odegaard has been really interesting. I'm kind of guarding against, you know, I know there's a temptation when a new signing comes in to kind of see all the good. And I, I, I am conscious of that with Odegaard. I thought it had a tricky night, for example, a really tricky day against uh, Man City, but then mm. he didn't. But I do like a lot of what I've seen of him. He's a very, very technically able mm. player. Um, and I think he completed... 95% of his passes in the opposition third today which is right. you know it's pretty good uh, it, so you know he he's very he's very he's very 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 competent on the ball and we need that yeah yeah for sure um i was going to make another point there but it's completely gone out of my head so uh that piece of insight and genius is going to have to just disappear lost to the lost to either. the ether. yes um Aiden Aiden Aus twelve Aiden Noose twelve on the Discord says, "Is there a chance that Arteta is right not to play Martinelli and see something we don't? His omission continues to confuse me. We had a lot of questions about Martinelli. I mean, today, despite the fact that we won three one, there's a lot of like, well, why didn't we play Martinelli at all? And I, you know, I get it. I'd like to see him. I think he's an exciting player, and uh, you know, um, I, I'm a little confused, not confused, but um, I would like to see." A bit more of him. I don't think there's quite as big an issue as, as some people might think, but um, KT also says uh, on the Discord, do we worry too much about team selections, especially with relation to young players? We've seen players like Phil Foden being held back, in inverted commas, from first team action at Man City when fans believed he should be starting week in, week out, and it's potentially been to his benefit. So do we need to trust that Martinelli will be introduced when the time is right? So that's that on the um, on the Martinelli issue. Yeah. So what, what do you reckon? The, the trouble is, Mikel Arteta's got a lot of options in attack, hasn't he? I mean, mm. just in the centre-forward spot, you know, he's got Lacazette, he's got Aubameyang, uh, Martinelli and Ketia. Then you look at the wide areas. You know, he didn't play Saka today, but he still had Pepe, still got Willian. Mm. Um, Aubameyang can play there. Smith-Rowe can play there. There's pretty intense competition in the sort of final third for Arsenal right now. And Martinelli has been a little bit the odd one out. Um, I mean, granted, he's not been as much the odd one out as 
Eddie and Ketia or Reese Nelson. Sure. Uh, who knows where the hell those guys are? Um, but he, he, you know, his game time has been a little bit limited. I do still maintain. I think he suffers a little bit from Arteta seeing him and. Aubameyang is kind of uh, analogous a little bit. They're sort of seeing them as kind of similar types who want to occupy similar spaces. And it means he tends to use one or the other. Mm. Um, obviously, that can't continue in the long term for the duration of Aubameyang's three-year deal. We need Martinelli to be getting some games sooner rather than later. But uh, it's easy to be relaxed about it when you win. <laughs> of course. Uh, I- you know, I think when we don't pick up good results and you see him there not used, I was a little bit surprised he didn't get 10 minutes today. I have to be honest. I, I didn't really see the need for it to be, say, Aubameyang yeah. at, at, at that point in the game. We were 3-1 up. I thought, maybe give him a run. What did you think? I thought maybe that was a chance to give him 10 minutes, particularly as you could bring him on as the striker, you know, and, and yeah. what he could do... Um, pressing and harrying and chasing around for the final 10 minutes. Uh, maybe he doesn't quite have the technical security, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm sure he will develop. Um, 84 minutes Aubameyang came on. I yeah, mean, I mean, yeah. I'm sure he wanted to go, but sort of, you know, almost what's the point? You know, give him the rest. Yeah, give him the, give him yeah, the full exactly. rest. You know, uh, and it is, I mean, that is a chance to give him minutes. He was asked about it uh, afterwards, uh, and he said um, uh, he needs to keep working and making it difficult for us. He's a player that is going to give us a lot, but we need to find some time to find the right games for him and the right connections with him on the pitch so that he can do what he does best. Uh, but the way he is and the way he trains every day is going to be a really important player for us, no doubt. But when you have many options, it's difficult when you look for certain qualities in certain games. I think there's something quite interesting there, isn't there? Like putting him on with the right connections so he Mm. can do what he does best. So maybe, you know, today he didn't put him on because he didn't feel the players that were on there were the right ones to get the best out of him. That's the impression I get. It's about balance and it's about chemistry. He doesn't seem to uh, have many doubts about the talent of the player, uh, the ability of the player. It just seems to be the fit right now. Mm. And, you know, that needs resolving because, you know, he's going to want to play games and we need to find a way for him to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think as well that there is... It's a bit like the injured player syndrome. You know what I mean? Uh, Again, this isn't to say that Martinelli isn't a really exciting talent and a a player of, of lots of potential. Of course he is. But when a player doesn't play, we kind of imbue them with with a, a performance level or qualities that maybe aren't quite there yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you know when a guy's out injured and you kind of the team goes through a bad run, you kind of wish you had the injured player back um, until he's back for a few weeks, and then you go, "Fuck, we should get someone else." You know, it, it's <laughs> that it's that kind of thing um, to an extent with, with Martinelli. But I think. Maybe there's just a bit of patience required. It looks like in the summer, Eddie and Keddie is going to go, right? Yeah, I mean, can I can I ask this quick yeah. question on this topic? Because Tanner Osman on Twitter said, why is Arteta's selection of younger players feast or famine? He seems to either love Eddie Martinelli, Maitland-Niles or Nelson, or 
they're out in the cold. Mm. Um, I just thought I'd throw that in if we're having the discussion about Eddie and some of these other young players. Um, Do you I think mean, it's just a case that he's made his decisions on some? I think it could be. I mean, I think with, with Reese Nelson and Eddie, like when's the last time Eddie played? You know, um, yeah, or started a game or anything like that, you know? Um you know, there's a pathway there. You can see the pathway for Martinelli to play a lot more um, in the not-too-distant future at Arsenal. You know, if Lacazette goes in the summer, um, you know, it all depends what what particular role they they envisage for him or what they think his best position is because that's, that's the next question. Like, why is Martinelli not playing is a reasonable question to Mikel Arteta, but where do you see Martinelli playing? in this team mm. and in the system that we're using. I think that's another interesting question because is it as a winger? Is it as the centre forward in the kind of Aubameyang role? Um, which I think it might be. But then, of course, he's got to get ahead of... Um, he's got to get ahead of uh, the captain there. You know, and I can see why he started Lacazette today because you're going away from home to a team that have been very good all season and and the experience um is a really key issue I think for for Arteta I think for for him to overlook some of the the oh my God, flaws is not, not the right word but you know what I mean some of the things that young players um suffer from all young players well most young players anyway unless they're someone like Saka and they're just fucking brilliant you know there yeah. there are growing pains and teething troubles and all those kind of things that that are involved in in young players and you know you could say maybe we don't take enough risks with some of the young players or we've put too much stock in some experienced players this season who who haven't done it and that's absolutely fair like i get why you know for example against benfica the other night we brought on willian and people were going crazy like why don't we bring on martinelli i get it because willian had had so many chances and done very little with them until the last couple of games so you know i get that too but i i just think there's there's an element of of their they're holding him back maybe there's some physical issues as well but i don't buy into this idea that he doesn't like him or doesn't want him around he's in the squad every week now um you know he's basically taken Enkedia's place in the squad hasn't he so well, that's it yeah he he has at least kind of usurped Enkedia would see and and maybe more players are going to leave in the summer we don't know you know i think mm. You mentioned Nelson, he, he could be out the door. Maybe Eddie, maybe Lacazette, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that would see him certainly bumped up the queue for a centre-forward spot. Mm. So it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, whatever the case, you know, ni- none of Aubameyang, Lacazette, Willian are the long-term future of Arsenal in those positions, centre-forward and mm. left-wing. So, you know, over the next few seasons, there is a real opportunity there for Martinelli. Um, it just is a little bit tricky for him to mm. kind of get his foot in the door right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, is it your turn, my turn, or...? I don't know. I've got a question, though. Okay. Go for it. Uh, um, so... We touched on it here. We touched on Granite Shaka earlier, but Jacob D on Twitter said, "Are you worried at all about the run of game Shaka is playing? We're focused on resting other players, but he is in the team, game in and game out." Um, we're going to put the mockers on him now, aren't we? If we say he's so durable <laughs> and he never gets injured or anything like that, but you know, I think, 
I think, you know, you have to recognize and acknowledge the, the physical effort he's put in. Um, yeah. You know, he's played such a lot in the last few weeks. Um, and months, basically since the Burnley game, he's played every game, you know. I did see somewhere, I apologize, I can't remember if this was a if this was a uh, tweet or if it was on the Discord or something like that. But I saw someone say, like, you know, does Granite Jack never get injured because he runs so slowly? Um, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I guess the thing is, you can probably push the envelope a little bit more with an experienced player when it comes to the physical side of the game. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, if you're 19 or 20, you're still kind of developing, you're still growing, you're still putting on muscle and all that kind of stuff. And and Jacka is, you know, the, the finished specimen. Uh, and I think he's, generally speaking, been fairly durable and injury-free throughout his career, hasn't he? He just yeah, seems to be... Yeah, and some players be, do just yeah, have that capacity. Yeah. Um, and maybe he knows his limitations and maybe he manages his body mm. very well. Um Maybe when he does get a knock, he's able to play through it. You know, a lot of players, they're not feeling 100% all the time, but they're mm. able to play anyway at a similar level. Um, you know, it's been the case with every manager pretty much that Shaka has played a lot, a lot of minutes. And I think it's just something he's kind of got in his locker. Um, so I'm not, I mean, touch wood, but I'm not overly concerned about that. I am mm. really pleased for him, the form that he's produced. And I think... Uh, you know, since, well, since the Burnley game, pretty much, where he had that kind of implosion, that moment of madness, he has been, you know, one of the most consistent players in this team. Mm. What was I going to say to you? I can't remember. I have a question here, though. Um, Oh, go on then. And it comes from, actually, I was going to ask you about uh, what you thought of Arteta's comments about fatigue. Did you read those towards the weekend where he was talking about how he doesn't like to talk too much about fatigue and like you know if you're a player and you start getting the idea that you're tired he talked about having to develop uh, mental toughness you know to overcome the the physical side of the game tiredness that you might feel that a lot of it he feels is kind of in your head um Mm. i thought those were quite interesting comments so yeah i remember having a conversation with Darren Burgess um, mm. about that at Arsenal and him kind of saying, you know, he came from a background, admittedly a very different sport in AFL, where players were playing through a pain barrier that he sometimes felt at Arsenal, there was a sort of cultural reticence to do that. Um, I think I'm sort of, you know, paraphrasing yeah, appropriately yeah. there. And, and I do wonder about that, you know, maybe Arteta... Because obviously you can take Arteta's comments and sort of sit them alongside some of the gambles he's taken on players. For example, Thomas Partey playing them maybe a little bit earlier than he might have done and they've backfired and say, well, that shows a kind of poor understanding. Yeah, but that's not necessarily fatigue, is it? That's kind of injury management more than tiredness. Yeah. That's a slightly, slightly different thing. And he's talking about, you know, I just have them here, you know, there are examples. He says fatigue is a lot of times mental because if things go well and you score a goal, I'm sure you'll still have the energy to sprint and celebrate the goal. So if you say you can't chase somebody back up the other end of the pitch and track them back, he said, I don't really agree with that. You know, if you are on that pitch until you are absolutely done, you have to give your best 
So, yeah. And I think, you know, setting aside kind of the physiological aspect, I think from a psychological aspect, you can see what he means. Um, and I think that's what he's kind of focused on mm. there. But yeah, it, it is an interesting one, particularly in the case of Shaka. I mean, this guy um, just keeps churning out the minutes. And I, and I, I hope uh, he can continue to do it because with Partey fit again, I mean, that partnership was bubbling away quite nicely before mm. it was interrupted. Yeah, and look, again, today there was uh, acknowledgement that we are going to have to do better in that regard. So Saka got rested, Partey didn't come on. Would people have complained if Partey had started? Of course not, but we're obviously trying to learn the lesson that we made uh, or that we got earlier in the season when we played him too early. So, um, From the Discord, Simon the Mask King says, what do you make of the latest trend in clasping your head to have the game stopped? I think if you, if you go down clasping your head, you should have to go for an assessment and you're either subbed or play with 10 until uh, it's complete. And of course, there's the concussion substitutes to deal with now as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's great that they're is now, you know, better protocols for head injuries. I think, first and foremost, that is the most, you know, mm. crucial thing. And it's a really positive step. I think it's inevitable that maybe it will require some refinement uh, as we go along. And I think it's quite easy, isn't it, to see how players could kind of take advantage of it um, at the moment. I mean, there was an interesting one with Kieran Tierney today, wasn't there? Where mm. I, I, for the life of me, I couldn't tell where he'd been struck in the head. He wasn't. He'd been struck in the he head. absolutely wasn't. He was trying to have a rest. Yeah. He was knackered <laughs> and he was trying to have a rest. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I think defenders will do that and they will take advantage of it. So I don't know exactly how you police that, really. It's a very... Well, yeah, one. I mean, the thing is, that, you know, the, the rule or the refs try and stop the game immediately, don't they, when a player's got a, a head injury, yeah. uh, although it didn't happen last week, when Rob Holding got a head injury, the referee saw it played on, and Man City, I think, went through and had a shot on goal or created some, some danger in our box. So, you know, <clears throat> the consistency of the application of that rule is, is up for question, as with most things involving referees, but we won't go there today. But, I mean, there was a really um, annoying part of the game when I think we had a corner and Johnny Evans went down holding his head and we had the ball on the edge of their box. We had them pinned back, obviously, because it was a corner. The ref mm. blew, as he has to, for a head injury. And play is restarted with a drop ball that Leicester then leathered all the way down to our goalkeeper. Mm. That can't mm. be right. Surely if we're in possession of the ball, we should get the ball back in the area in which we had it. Would that not make more sense? That would seem more fair. That would seem more fair. Unless it happens to us, then we can... <laughs> and that's what I mean, I guess. I think, <clears throat> you know, I think this will need a bit of ironing out, but I'm kind of not really... I'm more happy about them finally doing something about head injuries and concussion than mm. I am concerned at this point. Uh, and listen, today it sort of went to our advantage because, you know, we were able to eat up the clock a little bit. Mm. Uh, let's have another question. I was, oh, here we go. I am on Twitter. Okay. The big question. Is it unrealistic to expect to finish in the top six this season? Um, and then I says, we have a much improved performance since Christmas and have 12 games in hand. I think 
I think that's a slight misunderstanding of our situation in the league table. What did he say? Say that again? We, ha- we have much improved performance since Christmas and have 12 games in hand. I think he means 12 games to go. <laughs> if we had 12 games in hand, I would be much more confident yeah. of a top six finish. Uh, yeah, just about. Just about. Uh, just about. I mean, it's still Arsenal. What do you think? Is it on? Well, we're only three points off sixth as it stands. Yeah, Liverpool play tonight, right? Yeah. Um, look, it's not impossible. It's unlikely, but it's not impossible. Uh, you yeah, know. I still think it's unlikely. Yeah, I think it's I unlikely. Do I don't think we... I don't think, based on what we've seen so far this season in terms of consistency, that we're capable of putting together the kind of run that would be required to get there. You know what I mean? We'd have to do something like 97, 98, where we won, what did we win? 10 in a row, something like that. 10 on the spin or something. You know, we'd have to, we genuinely have to do that. And I don't think we're capable. Some big periods. I mean, listen, the Olympiacos games, they fall before Premier League mm. matches against Spurs and then away at West Ham. Yeah. You know, th- there's there's some tough tasks ahead. And I just feel like with the distraction of Europe, hopefully going on a little bit longer, mm. I think it's kind of inevitable that we'll we'll drop some points in the league. And, and as I've said many times, I think the damage was done before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I, I think so too. And the only thing I would say is that... If there is any way of doing it, um, the fact that we were able to rotate so heavily today and beat a team like Leicester gives you a little bit of hope in that regard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that The only way you can do it, if we continue with Europe and we're playing this Thursday, uh, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday schedule, is getting the maximum, not just out of your so-called first 11, it's getting the maximum out of the entire squad. So that's, you know, that's the only way it can happen. I mean, I still don't think it will, but... Um, yeah, I mean, and listen, there are plenty of um, there are plenty of other sides above mm. us in the table who also have European football to contend with. So that might, you know, uh, create some, some strange results. Who knows? But uh, well, I've just got my eyes on Spurs. I have to say I would really love Arsenal to finish above Spurs this season. Yeah. Hmm. Annoyingly, they looked quite good today. But let's I, t- I turned on for like two seconds after our game, and I just saw Harry Kane. Um, yeah, turn yeah. straight off again. I mean, the bad news is they've remembered that Gareth Bale plays for them, and the other bad news is that Gareth Bale has remembered he's a footballer. Oh, did he? What did he do? Did he do something just, today? Yeah, just like played football again. Okay, uh, for the first time in about three years, and was pretty good mm. admittedly against quite a poor Burnley side but that's very annoying timing with the North London derby just around the corner insert your uh, smart remark here about how a poor Burnley side uh, will be made look like Brazil <laughs> 1970 by Arsenal next weekend when we go to play there of course of course I meant they were poor on the day they yeah, are of course yeah. the I footballing know. equivalent of the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> they you know they're an astonishing football team and are certain to destroy us okay on Twitter, Hyder or Hader, Hader mm-hmm. Javed underscore 14 says, we've conceded within the first five minutes in three of our last four Premier League games, Man City, uh, Villa and Leicester. It was seven minutes today in the seventh minute, but we'll give you a bit of leeway there because uh, the overall point is, does this 
point towards a concentration problem or a lack of motivation since there's very little to achieve in the league this season. What's going on with all the early goals, James? It feels like concentration, doesn't it? Yeah. It feels like focus. I mean, the errors are pretty basic and they are happening early in games. I don't know why that would happen. Part of me wondered, is there a case of like, have they been given something else to think about? You know, is there a question of in the first five minutes of the game, they're kind of trying to work something out for their system? You know, okay, who's making that run for Leicester? Who's picking up who here? And does it mean that they don't concentrate on the basic stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is kind of strange. You know, I think about that goal against Aston Villa. I think about the goal we conceded today. I think about the one against Man City. It must be pretty frustrating for the manager. Uh, but maybe it's about the messaging. You know, maybe it's about the last thing they're told before they go out on the field. Because mm. um, it's a weird pattern, right? It is. It is. Certainly in the last few weeks, it's been a pattern and it's been costly. You know, Villa, obviously, we lost and Man City. Maybe we would have lost anyway, regardless of when uh, the goal was conceded. Could they have kept going and got a goal? It felt a bit like that, didn't it? Even though they didn't score again. So, yeah, today was careless. We 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 could have done better and should have done better defensively for that goal. It's a habit you don't want to get into, you know. Conceding goals is bad, obviously, but you don't want to you don't want to make it a, a thing or for it to become like a psychological worry for the players it's like oh shit are they inhibited in the first 10 minutes of every game because uh, they concede uh, too frequently I don't know I don't know yeah um, it would it, be great if it stopped though I mean to mm. be fair it's, it's giving us good practice at coming from behind which we hadn't been great at until recently um, this season I so. much prefer being in front <laughs> all the time <laughs> That would be better. Mm. That would be better. Hey, what about this question? Everybody was Kung Fu fighting on Discord. Right. Any comments on the shit show at Schalke? That's quite a mouthful. The shit show at Schalke uh, and having that poison out of our dressing room. Have you seen what's been going on at Schalke? I saw some story. I didn't really, I haven't um, been able to pay too much attention over the last few days, but um, I saw like, was there a dressing room revolt led by Kalasinac and Mustafi? Is that right? That was the story. I think it was mainly uh, Mustafi who was kind of fingered as the guy. <laughs> and then today, um, their manager was sat. Their manager, by the way, was Christian Gross, who, of course, you'll remember from his time at Spurs. Um, I didn't realise this, but they are bottom, rock bottom of the Bundesliga. Yeah, they haven't won a game since the dinosaur era, basically. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I, I did wonder why they were willing to buy Mustafi and Klasinac, and I guess desperate times call for desperate measures. Mm. Um, look, my main concern is that if Schalke go down, there's no way they're going to take on Ser Klasinac's wages from us. So I need them to perform a miracle and stay up. Don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> it doesn't look good. They've got nine points. I mean, as as funny as it would be to kind of pin this on Klasinac and Mustafi, they were apparently in a pretty historic bad run of form long before these guys turned up. But Im- um, <laughs> it's a bit it- like it's a bit like uh, going, oh shit, my house is on fire, and then throwing petrol all over it. Well, there is that. There is that. <laughs> They've won one game, I believe, uh, all season long. Wow. So, yes. I mean, 
good luck to them, mm. I say. I mean, genuinely good luck to them. I hope they stay up and decide to buy Kolasinac. Yeah, good. they're going to need it. Um, <laughs> Henrik Ho Jakobsen, who's at Henrik Ho's on Twitter, says, uh, Hi guys, huge win for Arsenal tonight. Did you know that Pablo Marie has played 11 games in the Premier League, won nine and lost two times against Man City in both? Is he underrated? He delivers every time. Strong arm emoji. So, Well, um, one of those games, I think he went off quite early, didn't he? With a, yeah, he barely played injury. in that first Man City game, yeah. So he's not responsible for that one. Yeah, I saw another question about Pablo Marie, actually. Um, which was... Where is it? Oh, maybe I've lost it. Someone was asking, is he our best defender? Um, hmm. F- apologies, I can't uh, recall who that was. <sighs> I mean, he's been pretty steady, hasn't he, in the games that he's played? I slightly feared today with, with Louise and Marie up against Jamie Vardy. It wasn't exactly like they were going to stay with him stride for stride, but... Well, I mean, he did really well in that 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 moment when Vardy yeah. went through, and I was going, "Oh, here we go, here yeah. we go. This is what's going to happen. Vardy's going to sort of run across uh, Pablo Marie, and then he's going to fall over, and we're going to get a man sent off, and they're going to have either a dangerous free kick or a penalty, and it's all going to go wrong again." I could see it play out as clear as day, but he did really well. He did really well. Vardy was far more interested in 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 uh, engineering that kind of scenario than he was for getting the ball. And, and Pablo Marie just used his strength. And look, uh, Vardy didn't run away from him either, did he? No, no. They went. It was really good defending. Yeah. Um, it was Billy Conyard, by the way. He was saying he thinks Marie might be our, our best defender. But yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised by that. Really impressed. Um, and he looked pretty composed he did. throughout. Yeah, uh, he did. He I, does. I, I was a little bit worried early on because I thought Louise was going to have one of his days. I don't right. know if you noticed this early on, but there was a couple of times where you know, he passed the ball across and he was gesturing. There was one time he played the ball to Marie and he was sort of waving his arm. I did see and that. There was a bit and I think his positioning isn't great on the Leicester goal, as we've said. Uh, Louise. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, I was a little bit worried about that and I just worried about the partnership between the two of them. Look, it's still quite early days to say with regards to Pablo Marie, but I don't think he's uh, done anything that should make anybody particularly worried. Again, Xhaka's going to get an injury. Pablo Marie's going to score an overhead kick own goal in the next game now. We're talking so nicely about these guys. But you know what I mean? I think he's he reads the game well. He, yeah. he actually um, today a couple of times pushed up really smartly to intercept as Leicester were trying to play the ball towards our box. Yeah, um, he's got that in his luck. You know, so I think he I think he did pretty well. I didn't really look at his stats, which I might do right now. So his defensive yeah. stats uh, today, one tackle, one interception, three clearances. Uh, his passing was, what, 81%. 61 touches of the ball. Um, yeah, I think I think he's done absolutely fine, you know? I think he's done um, a really solid professional job in pretty much every game he's played in. Mm. So, mm. you know, whether he's the first... Gabriel wasn't even in the squad today, so we assume there was a bit of an injury there. Um, so whether Gabriel would have played today, we, we don't know. But, like, I got... 
no real worries about him as yet. It's still a, a fairly small sample size, but I thought he played well today. Absolutely. And, you know, most of us are talking about a player that we haven't seen loads of. You know, his career prior to Arsenal was played in the Spanish second division and in Brazil. You know, we haven't watched him plenty of times. So it does still feel like early days. But the, the biggest compliment I can pay him is just to say that from a recruitment perspective, I don't worry about the left side of our central defence at all. Mm. And that's whether David Luiz stays or whether he goes. I think in Gabriel and Pablo Marie, we've got two good options there. Um, yeah, and I don't think we need to to add on that side. Um, Valer on the Discord says, has your uh, or Arsenal fans' opinion of the Cedric and Pablo Marie deals changed? As far as backup, fullback options, Cedric is one of the best we've had in years compared to uh, Kalasinac, Lichtsteiner, etc. And, and Marie has been solid at the back. Yeah, it's a good question. I think, I think in the case of Marie... Uh, I think that I think that he's done better than I expected him to do, and I think he looks like he could be a, a pretty useful player acquired at a price that was probably higher than advertised at the time, but it's still relatively reasonable. Mm. The Cedric one, I will always have that kind of nagging thing just because of Maitland Niles, and you know, did we really require an extra? right back at that specific point in time um, and did it need to be a guy who was not going to have any resale value whatsoever I'll always have that nagging doubt I think he's done okay and mm. I thought he was pretty good today but just from a squad building perspective I still have question marks over that over that one what about you? I think Cedric has done better than I thought he would so um, I'll take a little slice of humble pie on that one um, you know, I like you. I think the provenance of the deal remains open to question. Like, was that the best deal we could do or the mm -hmm. most convenient? You know, we all know. So there's no point ratcheting it up. It's not his fault, though. Um, and I think he's done uh, He's done well. I thought he played well today. Um, and he covered pretty well at left back. Um, although I, I sort of have concerns about playing a, a right-footed player at left back for any sustained period I just you know don't really think I wouldn't it want works. to be starting next season with him as the backup left no back. let's put it like that no 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 that's one of the issues we've got to, to sort in the summer and, and like Pablo Marie yeah he's done absolutely as I said he's done absolutely um, fine professional uh, experienced sh uh, showed his experience today used it well um, and played his part in what was a, a really good win so yep keep it up guys yeah, listen, no one happier than me to kind of eat humble ply if a player... Humble ply? Humble ply. Humble plywood. <laughs> if uh, if players fall out. Good day for uh, Keir Drabchen today, actually. His, his boys all did well for Arsenal. He's going to have Keir a... FC Keir FC is alive and well. <laughs> all right, I think that's just about that for this one. Apart from this one question from Chris Darby. Go on. Who says... Why does Art Garfunkel look like a Willian and James face swap? <laughs> Which I thought um, was quite good. Yeah. I mean, as I've pointed out, it is illegal to have a haircut here at the moment. So, you know, I my my bouffant hair is definitely bringing, has a, has a tinge of Art Garfunkel to it. Right. I, I thought you were growing it for a role, maybe, you know, because you could just get a clippers yeah, and shave it off. There is a bit of that. There is something potentially in the pipeline that I do need some hair for. 
I'm playing Art Garfunkel in, a, <laughs> in the movie of his life. I'm playing Willian uh, in a drama about his first six months at Arsenal, harrowing drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should be good. I like it, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Art, Art Garfunkel, I mean... Does Art Garfunkel look like Willian, though? No, Art Garfunkel's hair looks like Willian's hair. So if you were, right. you know, if you were to take any picture of He's got of my Art big Garfunkel. forehead, but then with Willian's hair on the yeah. top of it. And there is a slight resemblance, you know, between you and him anyway. Sure. You know, sure. the young, sure. the young Art Garfunkel, not the not the, the old one now, you know. He looks like a kind of scary clown these days. He does. He has the voice of an angel, though. Gotta say he it. He does. Gotta say singer. it. I'll take my hat off to him. I'll yeah. eat my humble ply. Eat your humble ply. Grow your hair. You two could be... <laughs> you could be the Paul Simon, Andrew, to my Art Garfunkel. <laughs> I think we'll leave this one right here. Like a bridge. Is that them? That's the no. bridge over troubled water, yeah. 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 Over trouble... Are you going to join me on the harmony? No. Water. <laughs> life is life. <laughs> life. <laughs> he um he did the uh the the song for the rabbit movie watership down didn't he art oh. garfunkel what, what is it, that song again it's bright eyes burning like fire yeah bright eyes <laughs> yeah. burning like fire as vicious rabbits tear each other's yeah. each other's throats out that is a because brutal film mitosis. it's a brutal and- film it's, like genuinely, um, I read by the, the very... book as a kid. Oh my god, it's scary. that's why I'm like this, Andrew. Yeah, but it's psychologically scarred. Um, yeah, it is terrifying when you think that they think showed that to must... kids. They can't be watching it anymore, can they? It's probably an 18 now. <laughs> probably is. They revised it. Yeah, X-rated. X-rated. They'll remake it. Rabbit with Savage, like James Corden in it, or something. Oh, you just know it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Horribly inevitable. Yeah, he'd probably do all the singing as well. He fucking always do. Oh, that. man. No, thank you. No, thank you. All right, let's go. Let's go. It's Sunday let's evening. Let's go. Um, Sunday evening. Have a good week, everybody. Yes, have a good one. Uh, thanks for being here as always. We've got a week off, so who knows what we'll get done this week in terms of training and rehab and recharging our batteries. We'll see if we can dig out a midweek podcast for you along the way as well. Um, but until the next one, take it easy. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.